Let's stand for the reading of God's holy word, John chapter 9. Read with me, please. John chapter 9. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is it not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, It is he. Others said, No, but he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. Then they said to him, Where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he received his sight. And he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said to the blind man, What do you say about him, since he has opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how he now sees we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. He is of age. Ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I've told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we don't know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. 
Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and you would teach to us? And they cast him out. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see, and that those who may become they may see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Father in heaven, this is your word. The story unfolded before us took place on a patch of earth that Jesus himself made. And now we come thousands of years later again to hear of this man's story of the work, Jesus, that you did that only you could do. And we pray that you would open our eyes to see every eye, every eye. We all need you, Lord, to help us see. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's an amazing story. If you still have your Bible open, keep a mark there in John 9 and turn with me to John chapter 1. John begins his gospel with these words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made, including this blind man, Christ, creator of all. Verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus has just declared in John 8, I am the light of the world. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He, John, was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Now go to the very back of John. Go to verse, or chapter 20. We've seen the beginning. We see the testimony to the light, the light of the world. And now, doubting Thomas says to the other disciples after Jesus has been raised from the dead, they have said, we've seen the Lord, but Thomas said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, imagine the scene, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Then verse 30 of John 20. 
Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And then the very last verse of John's gospel says this. Now, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that no, that the world itself could not contain the books that would need to be written. So Jesus, in the beginning of John, we're told he's the light. He has come to, to give light. He's come to give life. At the end, we see Doubting Thomas saying, I don't believe unless I see. He sees, he touches, he believes. My Lord and my God. And then John the gospel writer himself, a disciple, the one who placed his head on the chest of Christ, who literally heard the heartbeat of God, says, this is why this gospel has been written, that you may believe. And then he says, the whole world could not contain the books if everything was recorded. So between John 1 and John 21, the last verse, this disciple John, carried along by the Holy Spirit, Spirit records Seven miracles, only seven, only seven miracles done by Jesus are recorded in the Gospel of John. So John was very careful as he listened to know which of the miracles he would record so that they could continue to be taught. And every time John uses a miracle, he is seeking to make a statement much broader than the healing itself. And so today in John 9, we come to the sixth miracle. Jesus has turned water to wine. He has healed the official son. He's healed the invalid by the pool of Bethesda. He has fed the 5,000. He has walked on water. Now we come to the blind man, and the next miracle will be raising Lazarus from the dead. Do you see what's happened? Jesus, after speaking about being the light of the world, he passes by very intentionally. And it says in verse 1 of John 9, he saw... So Jesus' eyes fixed on this man, this man whose eyes could fix on nothing. Jesus sees a man who is born blind, meaning he has never had partial sight. He has never had the experience that you and I normally have. He can't see anything, but Jesus sees him. Jesus always shows this kind of compassion, doesn't he? He sees the outcast. He sees the one who's in deep need, and he moves towards him. And his disciples ask Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus takes a moment to do some incredible teaching. And the first question in this passage is asked. The disciples, who sinned? Now, there are 17 questions in this chapter. You can count them later. Don't do it now. You'll be lost. 17 Questions. The first is from the disciples. Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? Listen to Christ's response. Verse 3, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And then he says, which really is powerful, showing the human responsibility that we have to God advancing his kingdom. He says, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Amazing. Jesus speaks, and he says, It's not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. And they're about to be. 
The works of God displayed in causing a blind man to physically see, and then at the end of the chapter, a, a spiritually blind man to spiritually see. The works of God. That's why John wrote this gospel. That people would see the works of God and believe in Jesus as the Son of Man. The one who is the man. The one who is the way, the truth, and the life. The only way. And so Jesus begins to do the work that only God can do. Notice that the man never asked for anything. Other stories record the blind man shouting out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But not this account. In John's gospel, this blind man asked for nothing. But Jesus seeks him. He sees him. He's seeking to open his eyes to display the works of God that others might believe. And so 2,000 plus years later, guess what, brothers and sisters? We're telling this story. This family has read it for us. They believe it. We're hearing again the work that only God can do. So let's dive in. Having said these things, Jesus, verse 6, spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud. Now why did Jesus do this? Why did Jesus heal this blind man this way and simply didn't say, you can see, go see? We don't know for sure, but there's a lot here. And I hope you'll take this chapter over the next several days and just soak in it. There's a lot here. Jesus sees the blind man. He has compassion. After he says all these things without the request of the blind man, the blind man never said, please help me see. Jesus spits on the ground the saliva of God mixed with the earth that he himself made and he puts it on the blind man's eyes. Imagine the scene. Imagine seeing that. All who are watching. Jesus puts the mud on his eyes. And then he asks him to do something. Again, showing that there is God's complete sovereignty and human responsibility here. He says to the man, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Now think about it. See the scene. There's a blind man at a place I'm sure he's at regularly. He's a beggar, no doubt. He says nothing that's recorded to Jesus. Jesus begins to teach. He answers the first question of this chapter. He said it's for the works of God to be displayed. He spits on the ground, makes some mud, puts it on the man's eyes. He doesn't then say, follow me to this, this pool. He doesn't tell anybody to lead them. He says to the blind man, go to the pool. What did that look like? What did it look like for the blind man to just blindly obey? He didn't question. He didn't say, what are you doing to me? Who are you? He simply got up and he made his way. How did he make his way? How did he make his way? What did he experience along the journey? Was he so used to the sound of, of, that, of the noises around the pool that he just knew instinctually where to go? Did somebody lead him? I don't know. But what's important is that he blindly obeyed. He got up and he went to the pool and he washed. The man called Jesus in verse 11. The man now himself is explaining it to the Pharisees. The man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash 
So I went and washed and received my sight. That's his testimony. So I went and I washed and I received my sight. He did. He received sight. That which you have been able to see. If you have not been blind, born with blindness, he now suddenly saw. Light, color, trees, people's expressions. He saw. Think about the journey to that pool. Now think about the journey back. And he comes back. He comes back to the one who healed him. What was the journey back like? Which took longer? The journey to the pool or the journey back? So much to see. He makes his way back from the pool. By the way, the pool, sloan, means sent one, sent. It literally could be translated missionary pool. It literally is the picture of God doing an amazing work and then sending forth this man who is about to receive spiritual sight as well to make his name known throughout the earth. 2,000 plus years later, we stand upon this, his holy word, believing every word to be true. This man rinsed in this pool, the missionary pool, cleansed his eyes with the mud, getting it out, and then he could see. And as he moves back, however quickly he came, he begins to receive rejection persecution, and excommunication. Rejection from the neighbors, rejection from the Jews, rejection from the Jewish leaders, even rejection from his very own parents. Ask him. He's of age. Yes, he was born blind. We don't know how he was healed. Ask him. They don't want to be rejected. They don't want to be excommunicated. And so from a distance they watch. He's rejected. This miracle creates conflict and controversy and division. How is it that people could be so blind? How is it that they could be so blind to see a man who's standing by this temple day in and day out, now able to see them face to face and get tangled up in the fact that this happened on the Sabbath? Because they were blind. They were suffering from the same blindness that this man still possessed. Spiritual blindness. And that's why many, many questions are asked by the neighbors, by the Jews, by the Jewish leaders. There's a total of 17 questions. A few of them are asked by the man. They're sarcastic, it sounds. Do you want to be his disciples too? But the most important question is question 15. And question 15 comes in verse 36. Verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, Jesus said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Notice it's capitalized. Son of man, if you've been paying attention to our service 
You've seen and heard that phrase from Daniel chapter 7. There, this great picture of the Son of Man. Son of Man was Jesus' preferred phrase. It's the one he used the most when he talked about himself. He is the Son of Man. It means that he is fully human, but he's also fully divine. And the Son of Man is a different phrase which gives this exalted state which you see even in the book of Daniel chapter 7. Go back later and read that. You can see it in your bulletin. Jesus is not just a man, but he is a man. He is fully man. But he is unlike any other man. He is the Son of Man in that he is the living God. 100% God, 100% man. And so he speaks into this man's life, seeking to change his eyes from blindness spiritually to spiritual sight, the right sight, the only sight that can give you salvation. And so he asked the man this question. Verse 35, do you believe in the Son of Man? Now, one thing we know about the blind man is from the beginning, he has told the truth. He has told the truth to everyone that questioned him. So he speaks to Jesus, and he's honest. He says, and who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. The 15th question is the most important question. Because it is the question that goes for all time. It is a question that every man and woman, every created being, every human being must answer. And that is, do you believe in the Son of Man? Do you believe that Jesus is the one who is the way, the truth, and the life? Do you believe what the Word of God says? That Jesus alone is the way the truth, and the life. That there is no other way to eternal life except through Jesus Christ. Do you believe in the one who is the Son of Man? My friend, if you are a Christian, then at some point in your life, maybe at VBS, maybe on your bed when you were five or nine or 13, with your parents, you prayed for salvation. You confessed that you're a sinner and that you trusted in Jesus alone for your salvation. Maybe it was in college. Maybe it was later in adulthood. Maybe it was last Sunday here. Maybe it will be today when you say, I do believe in Jesus, the one who is the Son of Man, the Savior of sinners. If you have professed faith in Christ, if you Define yourself as a Christian because you've professed faith in Christ and his faithfulness to you, the friend of sinners. Celebrate. Celebrate regularly by by telling again your testimony of God's faithfulness to you. Celebrate that you were blind, but now you see. Celebrate that you couldn't make yourself see, but he gave you eyes to see. Celebrate that he, in in one way or another, took you to a pool and opened your eyes that you could see him and say, I do believe. Now, if you're here today and you know that's not who you are, you know that you have never professed faith in Jesus Christ, you've not trusted in him for salvation, 
Look to me for a minute, please. It's very possible that you are here because Jesus is seeking you. That Jesus has set his eyes on you. And you're one of his. And you're soon to discover all that it means to be saved by Jesus and then to continue to grow in awe and wonder of the gospel. It's possible that you were here like the blind man was at the temple, simply there in position when suddenly this man came to him with his eyes fixed on him and healed him physically and spiritually. It could be at this very moment that the Lord is opening your eyes. And if that's the case, even as we close in prayer and in singing, pray for the Lord Jesus to save you. Pray that he would save you from your sins. All you have to do is pray. And then tell somebody that you came with or somebody that's around you. Come down and tell me. It doesn't matter. But let it be known that you have professed faith in Jesus. And once he's grabbed hold of you, our Savior, the friend of sinners, can never let you go. Now some of you, you're here and you're listening. But you're like the blind man and you have some honest questions. And the blind man said to Jesus, face to face, the man who had just healed him. And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? If you are interested in knowing more about Jesus, but today you're at a place saying, I'm not ready to pray that prayer that Mark just described. then I want to encourage you to do what the blind man did. Go to Jesus even though right now you might not even believe he exists. Have enough faith. Go to Jesus and say, who are you? And open his word and pursue and just see what you may see. My friends, I believe you're here for a reason. I rejoice that the Lord opens our eyes to see. I rejoice that every Christian can sing, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. That anthem is true for every elder, every deacon, every Sunday school teacher, every preacher, every man and woman of faith in Jesus Christ. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Not I'm going to be found, I am found was blind, but now I see. Not that I'm going to see, but now I see. But then one day, for all who have professed faith in Jesus, we're going to see Jesus as close as this blind man saw Jesus. We're going to see the reality of the risen Jesus, the one in whose hands the nails went, in whose feet the nails went, and whose side the spear went. And like Thomas, we will see him, and we will no longer see with imperfect eyes, but with perfect eyes. But for those not in Christ, that is not the vision they will have for all eternity. Jesus Christ did this work in this man's life spitting on the ground, putting mud in his eyes, sending him to the missionary pool, the scent pool, that he might come back. That Jesus might then ask him, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is this man that I may believe? It is I, Jesus said. And then the blind man said, Lord, I believe. 
and he worshiped him. If that is you, maybe just in this moment or decades ago, your eyes were open and you saw, then rejoice that you have been found. Father in heaven, as I close this in prayer, I pray that you would do what only you can do and draw people to yourself even now. If there are any here today who believe that you are calling them to yourself, open their eyes to see and give them the courage to obey, to simply pray, I believe in Jesus Christ as the Savior of sinners. My dear friend, pray that prayer now. And if you are already one hidden in Christ, I pray like me that we will see more and more each day the glory of this news and we will sing of his grace and be thrilled by the reality that we belong to Jesus for all eternity. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.